Hello and welcome. It is the I Don't Have a Life podcast, and this is week number seven. This is also a bonus episode, and I say that only in the fact that I missed last week, and nothing extra will be added to that unless I say bonus episode to try to trick you guys into thinking I'm doing double the work for missing, which I'm not. I'm doing the same exact amount of work, if not lazier amount of work, because I'm doing this on my drive home again. I haven't had a chance to sit down and record like a professional, but you know what? You guys don't really deserve the professional life of a podcaster anyway, so this sounds appropriate enough, especially with some of the comments coming from our group chat. I think this is the best you guys deserve, and it's the best you're going to get, so here we go. Anyway, it is week number seven, and it is by Mageddon for yours truly. I don't know about you and your fantasy teams, as I haven't looked exactly at everything yet, but I am struggling in bye week hell for this week. The good thing is that after this week, all the buys of my best players are over with, and it'll be uh, smooth sailing from here on out. Anyway, today's episode is going to go over some of the big news. We had a couple of blockbuster trades and a couple of pickups as well that I think we should discuss. We'll go over the matchups for this coming week, and that's it. That's about it. Nothing else too crazy. Let's just go over the trades really quick. That's clearly what we need to discuss. It was hard to digest when that first big trade went down. I guess it it didn't go down first, but the big trade was, of course, Jason and Justin agreeing in principle to a deal. Stay with me. That will send Jameis Winston, Matt Breda, Gerald Everett, Marlon Mack, and Mike Evans to Jason in exchange for Leonard Fournette, Robert Woods, Tom Brady, and Hunter Henry. I still don't know who got the better end of this deal, if anybody got the better end of this deal. My initial thought was, wow, Justin's an idiot. His team, which he's trying to improve, he thinks he can get better by trading a bunch of guys, not one or two, but five guys from a team that's literally one in five. And that was my initial thought. And it was such a great and joyful thought I didn't really think about it again because anything that makes Justin seem like an idiot, I'm going to just go ahead and hold on to for a couple days. But for the interest of objectivity, we're going to look at this trade a little bit deeper and see actually if this is a good deal for Justin or Jason, or maybe perhaps it's a good deal for both. Although I don't imagine how it could possibly be a good deal for both. One person has to win this trade when it's something this big. It just, it's, it's hard to do a win-win trade when literally nine players are involved. Okay, so first of all, I, I love Jason making a big splash, a big trade at one and five. Your plan, whatever it may be, whatever excuse you want to use, it wasn't working anymore. Uh, one and five, things have to be done. You'd have to be insane to try to continue on hoping things are going to just magically turn around. And to be honest, injuries are not really the main excuse here for for Jason. Um, He's getting a bunch of players back. But first of all, let's... I'm actually curious. I I think my statement's pretty correct. 
So, yeah, I mean, injuries haven't been a big problem for Noah. The biggest problem has been uh, an injury to another player that has affected his player in Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, that was his first round pick. Honestly, I think all of us would have taken Juju Smith where he was taken in the draft at our draft party. Everybody loved Juju. Nobody could have seen Roethlisberger getting hurt. And even when Roethlisberger got hurt, it's not like you would think, oh, Juju's going to fall off the face of the planet. But we're talking last week, probably the all-time low for Juju Smith and for the rest of his career, to be honest with you. Um, A four-target, one-catch, seven-yard performance worth one point. The week before that, 14 points, three points the week before that. It's been a disaster for a first-round pick, or I guess a second-round pick, if you want to think of it that way. But other than that, like, there hasn't been a major injury. He's benefited by having Tyler Boyd and having A.J. Green get hurt. Will Fuller has only really done one week of worth of anything. Uh, a couple of his hotshot running backs haven't panned out. David Montgomery, although I still sort of believe in David Montgomery, hasn't produced like he drafted him to do. Uh, Josh Jacobs has hit for sure, but with a bye last week as well that, you know, one in five, you got to do something. So in terms of that, just doing anything is a substantial uh, a substantial way of uh, me acknowledging, Jay- I'm, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Jason did a good job, okay, just by doing something. Doing nothing is a failure, a complete F. No matter what, at one in five. If you're one in five and you don't do anything, it's a failure. So just literally by doing something, I'm already pretty proud of Noah and uh, being in his initiative. Anyway, let's start looking more in detail at the trade. All right. He's had Tom Brady the whole year who's been fantastic, really, in in terms of fantasy. I know he hasn't been great as a real-life quarterback. He's looked a little older (laughs) than the old Tom Brady versions, but... Let's be honest, that wasn't the reason Noah was losing. But he gets uh, he trades Brady away. Probably the biggest name in there in terms of the casual fan. Obviously not the most valuable fantasy asset going away from Noah. But definitely Brady carries a little extra value. And whenever you can trade quarterbacks based on that name value, I think that's a smart idea. He got Jameis Winston back. I don't know if that was a throw-in or part of the value that Jason was calculating. To be honest, Winston is not a quarterback I envision will be on many championship teams, is how I would put it, in that you need some consistency from that position. Sure, you're going to get some huge weeks, but man, it, it just, and I'm a Bucks fan, and I've held out on Winston as long as I possibly could, and I think last week was the last straw for me. I'm officially ready to move on from him. And I gave him a lot of chances. I never have written him off. And and I always thought there was some hope. But I really don't think there's hope for him. In terms of a real-life quarterback. Fantasy-wise, still going to be okay some weeks. Other weeks. um, He also gets two running backs back. And so he's getting two running backs back in exchange for one running back. And it's he's giving away the better running back for sure. I think Leonard Fournette has re-established himself as a top 10 back, maybe on the back end, maybe like 9 or 10 best running back. And he's getting Marlon Mack, who's is relatively close, although I have some thoughts about Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, I obviously had him and traded him away. I think Marlon Mack's 
refusal, uh, not refusal, but uh, the lack of catches is the biggest thing holding him back from being a true RB1. I think he's a great RB2, um, but I do think Fournette is an RB1. But Matt Breda has looked really good too, although I can understand trading him away. I know Justin came to me with Matt Breda and a couple of offers, or one offer, um, and I wasn't interested in the fact that there's like five different running backs in San Francisco that could legitimately get the ball at any point in the game, especially when Tim Coleman comes back. So Breda's kind of a sell high there, kind of a smart deal. So uh, I like it for both of the teams here in that regard for the running backs only. You're struggling. You need some depth. You need to get some different players out there. So get two decent running backs in exchange for your one decent running back. I think that's all right there. Uh, He's also basically sacrificing his tight end position in the hopes that Gerald Everett is a thing. And again, I guess I'm sort of leaning towards what Jason's doing here because Hunter Henry gets hurt a lot. We have yet to see really sustained production and a healthy Henry in his career. Although when he is out on the field, Henry has produced. But selling high on Henry is probably the smart move. I don't know if it's going to pan out or not, and it could easily, you know, Henry could easily be healthy for the rest of the year. I I mean, that's definitely a possibility for sure. But based on history, based on analytics and trying to do the smart move, you know, it's it's a gambling procedure, fantasy sports for sure. So you got to take the, the risk. But the percentage chance that Henry gets hurt is pretty damn high, to be honest. So selling him for whatever you can get after you just picked him up off of the waivers, a smart move, definitely was a big piece of this deal, right? I mean, honestly, it's it's Fournette and Henry are the two major pieces coming back with Woods a close, you know, third. Because Justin has had, you know, no tight ends since trading Kelsey. Gerald Everett, now, is that the guy you really want to rely on? I don't know. We've seen a lot of Gerald Everett, and we haven't seen a lot of good except for the last couple of weeks. The tide might be turning here on Jared Goff in terms of he's no longer that elite quarterback that takes shots down fields uh, in a great offense. And, um, you know, Dean kind of forgot to mention that part, you know, in his diatribe, 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 diatribe. What is that word? You know, when you go out on a rampage about how wrong I was, Dean, uh, you forgot to mention how right I was about Jared Goff. I, I definitely never liked you picking Jared Goff that early, um, yet, you know, you forget that part. Anyway, the point is diatrap. Diatrap? What is the word there? I'm sounding like an idiot. Anyway, I am probably an idiot. There's the major explanation there. Um, I don't know. Everett's a risky choice. But at the tight end, whatever. Take a risk at at tight end. That's what I've decided to do myself as well. If I'm going to take a risk, I'm going to put it at tight end. If it fails, it fails. Whatever. Everybody else is in tight end hell anyway. So might as well go. And then, of course, probably the biggest piece coming to Noah is Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is definitely a good wide receiver one, I think. I think he's probably not an elite option, but he is really darn close. He's in that second tier, and it's really the consistency factor. Uh, him and Godwin have been getting almost all of the receiver targets of importance. I think they're like neck and neck. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, I think, this morning saying that they both had 55 targets on the year. Just that Godwin has done a lot more with those targets because he's getting shorter 
uh, more quality type of targets in the slot. Evans is getting less quality type of targets, but they're the big play variety, right? So if he catches one, he's pretty much set for the day. I don't like Jason's receivers before the trade, right? And with Juju going down, as we talked about. So he definitely upgrades that position and gets a little bit of depth for his running back positions. But overall, like if I'm looking at this trade and there's this many players involved, I want the best player in the deal. And to me, the best player in the deal is indeed Leonard Fournette. However, I think the next two best players are Mack and Evans. And then after that, probably Woods and Henry. So do you want the best player in the deal or do you want this, the, the two you know, second place, third place types of players in the deal? I don't know. I, I think it's hard. I, I hate to say it, but I do think this is just an even trade. I don't think there's a big winner or loser. Um, when we look at it based on their teams, let's go look at it based on their teams and see the upgrades that they now have on their team. I think that might help us a little bit. Um, as I go back. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Um, so, Noah's going to be downgrading his quarterback position. I think that's pretty safe to say. He did pick up Kirk Cousins, who I don't Did Kirk Cousins just flip a switch and is good now? I don't know. I may, I may be, man. I, I He looked pretty darn like the old Kirk Cousins there um, for a bit. So, maybe. Um but Brady is clearly an upgrade over uh, those two. So he downgrades at his quarterback position. He downgrades at his... Well, let's talk about his receivers first. He upgrades his wide receiver one. As I pull up his team here, finally. Um, he has a bunch of wide receiver twos on his team. Noah does right now. DJ Chark, Will Fuller, and Tyler Boyd are probably all in that receiver two category. So... He had three of them, and he has Juju Smith-Schuster, who's probably a wide receiver, too, as well. So all of those guys, and Robert Woods is a receiver, too, as well. So he had, a, you know, five wide receivers, too. You could only play four max, and you probably don't want to play four. You probably want to play your three. So upgrading from that position, so he downgrades his quarterback to upgrade a receiver spot. And Marlon Mack and Jacobs with Matt Breda is, is an upgrade, and his tight end position is downgraded. So... I think he's upgraded in the important areas and downgraded in the least important areas. And I think that's a smart move. I like that. You know, he didn't need, you know, you don't need an elite quarterback in the league because I know Brady's not even an elite. So if you can get value for your non-elite quarterback, do it. And Justin, I know, is very desperate for quarterback. He's been playing the quarterback roulette game. And uh, let's see his team now. So Despite getting Brady, um, I think he's still probably playing golf this week. <laughs> so, um, but overall, probably an upgrade at your quarterback position, right? You lose Evans, who was clearly the best receiver on his team. I think he's still ahead of Hilton. And I don't know if Woods is that much of an upgrade over, you know, DJ Moore, Marvin, Marvin Jones. Maybe he's probably a slight upgrade. I don't know. It all depends on golf. Robert Woods hasn't done much really this year. I was looking at maybe going to buy low on him and then looking at his game, like he's had one awesome game 
where he had, you know, 164 yards. But other than that, 7.7 points, 6 points, 3 points. Robert Woods is basically what DJ Moore has been doing all year. DJ Moore, 11, 10, 5, 10, 13. I don't know. That's pretty darn similar when you take out the big game. I know you can't just take out the big game, but um, not much of an upgrade. He did upgrade a little bit, right? Fournette's probably a little bit better than Mac. He had he had Elliott and Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson's been about an RB two, um, so now he, he probably has two RB ones. That's nice, and he's upgraded his tight end position as well. So both teams, I can see why both teams did it, and I don't think there's a clear loser here, like in the Dean trade, which we'll get to in a bit. But if I had to pick a side, give me the side that gets the better player is what I normally would say, but since it's Justin, I'm automatically assuming he's an idiot and will get burned by this. Um, so that's fun. By the way, uh, Justin in seventh place is awesome. By the way, everyone, seventh place. Just take a moment. Appreciate that. Kind of. This is what uh, I believe. Let me look it up really quick. Uh, just in my dictionary here. Um, regression to the mean. Yep, yep, there's a picture of Justin there. And uh, his mean is definitely out of the playoffs. That's where he averages. So this is kind of the purest definition of that. I'll give the victory to Jason. I think he needed to do something more so than Justin needed to make a big splash. Although he's been, <laughs> he's been failing miserably the last couple of weeks, so maybe he needed to make a splash just as much. But I like Marlon Mack and I like Evans. Um, you know, give me those two over Fournette. And then getting Breda and Everett, Winston, whatever. Those guys are kind of... Breda's nice, but the other two are kind of pointless. But you didn't give up much, right? You picked up Henry. You've had Fournette, who's been, you know, disappointment for most of the time you've had him. Brady, whatever. You can get quarterbacks that do Brady type of things on in fantasy. In fantasy. Um, plus, the Patriots schedule is going to get a little bit more difficult going forward. It's been a cakewalk recently. Um, so, I don't know. I'm going to give the slight edge, but it's about a, like a C-plus to Noah and a C-minus to Justin if we have to do that scale. All right. Let's move on. That was a long time, but that was a big trade. The other major trade that happened just literally an hour, maybe even less before that trade which may have been overlooked by several people in the league, was the uh, trade with Casey and myself. Now, I wanted to see if Casey could trade. I haven't seen him make a trade in centuries. And the answer is yes, he will. He will trade with you. Um, I've actually had pleasant negotiations with him. And it was a Travis Kelsey for Mike Evans, or uh, Mike Evans, um, Devontae Adams for Travis Kelsey. Adams coming my way. My rationale between uh, for this trade was pretty simple. That I'm losing this week. That Mahomes clearly is injured. And they seemingly are refusing to go to Kelsey in the red zone. And it was pretty clear. I mean, I, I hadn't watched a lot of Chiefs games until I got Kelsey. And then I was, you know, more interested in them. And they're just not looking for him in the red zone. And he's just getting these chunk plays in the middle of the field, which is awesome. Um, but he's ending with 70, 80 yards. And of course, you know, there'll be days better than that. And probably touchdowns are coming. But to me, if I had to make a bet who's going to have more fantasy points, 
for the rest of the season, I would say Devontae Adams would have more fantasy points. Now, there is the argument that tight ends are harder to find. They're, you know, it's a great advantage to have over your opponent, and I totally understand that and get that, and why some people would probably argue that Kelsey is the better play here. But I'm looking at it strictly at fantasy points moving forward, and I think Devontae Adams will have more for the rest of the year. I saw Devontae Adams play a lot last year as he was on my team last year, and the, the dude's always open, and Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback, and sure he has turf toe, but I don't need him back this week, and I'm pretty sure he can come back from this, you know, when, when the games really do start to matter. Even if I lose the next couple of weeks, um, getting him healthy to pair with Godwin and pair with Saquon, or Saquon, I wish I had Saquon, pair with McCaffrey and Chubb, and then, you know what, I'll just figure it out at tight end. I did it for the first couple of weeks, and it's not like Kelsey was doing much for me anyway. So, um, to me, you know, it depends on what your team needs. You know, if you needed a tight end and you had a bunch of receivers like this, right, you're going you're gonna to pick the Kelsey side. But if tight ends is just a shit show no matter what, like I'm starting to think, just giving Devontae Adams, who had turned seemingly turned a quarter before the injury. I mean, he was balling out that game. And I think that's what I, I'm going to get more often than I will, you know, 70 for 80 yards with no touchdowns with Kelsey, which seemingly was kind of the new normal for him. I'm probably wrong going forward in that Kelsey's going to be great. But, man, if you've seen Mahomes play, the reports out of Kansas City, the new formula or whatever to beat Kansas City, maybe it's not – you know what? I don't want to pay for stuff that, you know, or hope for stuff that happened in the past. Um, like Javi taking Mahomes early, and this is no dig at Javi. He's having a great season. He's 4-2. and two. But even I think Javi will probably admit to this in, you know, private, maybe not in the group chat. But, you know, spending that early of a pick on Mahomes, you have to get the Mahomes that was basically a historical season last year for it to justify it. Anything else is a disappointment. And when we start picking players based on what they did last year or even in the last couple of weeks, it's not as effective as projecting what they're going to do going forward. And so if we do the draft again, knowing that, you know, you're not getting the same Mahomes as last year, it's, you know, you're not, you're getting 85% of that, which was always going to probably be the case. Let's be honest, right? How no matter how great of a quarterback you are, it's hard to do it every single game, every single time, and that's what Mahomes had to do in order to justify that value. And it's just hard to imagine that that was going to happen 100%. So, again, like if we had the draft, knowing what you're getting the first six weeks, again, you know, I don't know if you take Mahomes in that first round. So, now again, to be fair, Javi's overcome that and been great as his 4-2 and two record shows and he's um, I, I think he needs to make some moves too we might get to that later but regardless the point is here that you pay for what you think you're getting moving forward and not what has happened in the past especially last year anyway that's just my defense of it It's I think most people will probably say you'd, they'd rather have Kelsey than Evans but I think most of those teams, again, are, are teams that have had no tight ends. And imagine this world where all of a sudden their tight end position is just booming. But give me Adams. Give me Godwin scoring points for me in my receiver slot. I'll be pretty happy. The other major trade that happened, of course, was the Dean and Rich 
trade. And I got to scroll a little bit back for that. And this one, to me, there is a clear winner and loser. Um, and I'm not just saying that to make fun of Dean, but Allen Robinson and Frank Gore go to Dean in exchange for uh, DJ Metcalf, Devontae Freeman, and Sammy Watkins. Now, I'll be fair, it's not that big of a uh, steal for Rich. I do think Devontae Freeman is not a an asset that he has been in the past. Again, kind of going back to that analogy, you don't want what happened in the past, hoping that is going to repeat itself in the future. And paying for that's silly. And Devontae Freeman is clearly not efficient at running the ball anymore. Like, he's not going to be having 100-yard games. He needs to catch the ball out of the backfield and have huge games. That way, that's a risky proposition. That being said, I think you can get more for Devontae Freeman in this league than Allen Robinson and Frank Gore alone. Like, I think Devontae Freeman could fetch something better than those two. And then you also have to include DJ Metcalf, who, let's be honest, uh, waiver wire, fodder, like some, some, you know, maybe the, the intenting leagues you have, 50% of people, uh, leagues would have them, 50% of leagues wouldn't have a Metcalf owned. I like him. Actually, he's a little, I don't know, he's a freak athlete. I know that. He's not well established and polished as a receiver yet. But the Sammy Watkins, you know, the Watkins, the Watkins thing's tricky. For the average fantasy player, I think Watkins' name and what he did the first week still holds some value. I don't know if we have average players or not in this league. I think probably based on what, you know, this why Dean did this trade is that most people realize that Watkins isn't really that wide receiver one or two, but more of a wide receiver three and an injured one most of the time at that. However, that is giving the league a lot of credit. And I, I do feel that if you shop Watkins around with Devontae Freeman, you're getting better than Allen Robinson. And Frank Gore to me, great for maybe one week. But I don't see Gore sustaining what he's doing through the whole season because Devin Singletary is back and he's healthy and he's explosive and the future for the Bills. And I think that it'll be more of a split for Gore than it would be a full-time job. So Gore doesn't really provide much value at this. Allen Robinson, as Justin said accurately, I will admit that Mitchell Trubisky is throwing him the ball and Mitchell Trubisky has taken a huge step backwards this year. And Allen Robinson isn't nearly as explosive as he was before the injury anyway. So I don't know why you would trade all of that just for a wide receiver two and a middling one at that. I don't think he's a high-end number two or anything. And my biggest deal with this is he could have gotten more for the Watkins and Freeman, in my opinion. I don't know if he shopped around. He didn't shop around those two names for me. All he did was insult me with a DJ Metcalf and Dede Westbrook for Joe Mixon bullshit trade, which, first of all, we're not trading this year, so every offer would have been rejected. And second, that's the trade-off you're going to try to break off band negotiations with is uh, sanctions. I didn't mean to say negotiations. You want to break band sanctions with each other, and you're going to come with Dede Westbrook and fucking... DJ uh, DK Metcalf for Joe Mixon. Okay, no, you idiot. Fuck out of here. So 
maybe he did go around to everybody else and ask her with, you know, hey, Vontae Freeman, Sammy Watkins, can that get me a Cooper Cup? Can that get me, you know, something? Maybe Cooper Cup at that point was too high. But, you know, that, that low wide receiver one that's been struggling. Devontae Adams, maybe, you know. I know Casey has had Freeman in the past. Maybe a Freeman, Watkins, and maybe you give a little bit extra there. Gets you Devontae Adams instead of Allen Robinson. And then all of a sudden, Dean's team's really, really scary with three RB1s and an RB uh, and a wide receiver one as well uh, as a tight end that's been performing like a, a tight end one. So that might have been a better option. It's a B to a, a D in, in my mind here that Rich clearly won the deal, but not to the point where, like, we are actually mean exactly the fact that, you know, Dean got ripped the F off. He didn't get completely fucked, but he got semi-fucked. I, I I, think and I hope, I really do hope that this is a trade that comes back and bites Dean because if it doesn't come back and bite Dean and it really helps him, the league is kind of screwed because Dean's team is starting to turn into a, uh, a juggernaut if this works out. Luckily, I don't think it will, and we all hope it doesn't, and hopefully that's enough to be accurate and have Dean fail miserably and fall on his face. Anyway, this week we have uh, a couple matchups. I'm going to go through these matchups as quickly as possible here. I know this is a big trade discussion episode, but uh, those are exciting things, and I think people would like to hear about them and, and what other people value players at, what they could have gotten, what maybe they got too much than they deserve. So I think those are worth a little extra time. But let's go over the matchups for week number seven. We'll start with mine because it's pretty simple. It should be a matchup of the week, the number one seed versus the number two seed. And instead, we're getting what's most likely going to be a blowout. And that's because I literally have three of my best players on by. Nick Chubb, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin all on buys. And Devontae Adams not back fully, basically on a bye as well. So, you know, four of my players probably aren't playing in this game. And I'm scheduled to uh, score 94, 94 points to Dean's 138 points. His running backs also have fantastic matchups. Um, Saquon Barkley's probably back against Arizona. Chris Carson's playing a very beatable now defense in Baltimore. It's not going to be pretty for me this week. I've already conceded. That's why I traded Kelsey, so I could hopefully plan more for the future. So Dean will definitely mop the floor with me, probably score 140-something points. I'll be lucky to break 100. In fact, if I break 100, I'll be very, very happy. I have nothing going for me this week, so I will take a week off. The second matchup of the week, a little bit closer of a one, thanks to uh, no buy-mageddon here. But it is going to be Coop versus Javi. We have Coop starting Josh Allen with his, all of a sudden, three good-looking wide receivers. It was a position of weakness the last couple of weeks. All of a sudden, seems to be a position of strength for Coop. Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs. Those look pretty gnarly, to be honest. Uh, Todd Gurley looking like he'll play. uh, Struggling a little bit in his RB2 position with Royce Freeman. And... He's starting MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling in his flex. Mark Andrews, of course, is tight end. He does have the New England defense, although not as juicy of a matchup as it was maybe a few weeks ago because Sam Darnold does look pretty damn good 
and I don't think is going to be run over like Luke Falk would have. Uh, so I don't know if the New England defense is going to give him as many points as he has been getting in the past. Interesting that Aaron Rodgers is on the bench in exchange for Josh Allen. I don't know if I'd have the balls to do that. I would probably start Aaron Rodgers, especially against Oakland, again uh, over Josh Allen. But, you know, Josh Allen does play Miami. That's almost guaranteed 15 points right away, and everything above that is, is bonus. So I don't know. Javi, on the other hand, is hoping for a, a breakout performance from Mahomes. And as a Thursday night game, so he, you know, only a few days to try to heal up with that, what is probably a high ankle sprain or some sort of ankle sprain. He's just not leaving the pocket. And when Mahomes doesn't leave the pocket, the big plays kind of aren't happening at the same rate as they have been in the past. So Mahomes being banged up, you're not, I don't think you're getting 28, 35 points from him guaranteed. You're hoping, but it's not, it's far from guaranteed. Julio Jones, John Brown, Mike Williams. Uh, definitely an area where I think, again, we kind of mentioned this earlier, Javi could look to upgrade. I don't know about John Brown as a wide receiver, too, or Mike Williams. Um, Curtis Samuel does have a bye who's probably starting over um, Mike Williams, although I do like Mike Williams' talent, just kind of not in the right situation right now. Um, John Brown, you know, anything he gets, Josh Allen's going to get kind of cancels out there. Uh, he is going to be starting Derrick Henry and Philip Lindsay with Hollywood Brown in his flex. Mm, kind of a, a weak looking lineup for Javi this week, even though he is scheduled to win 117 to 113. A uh, couple of question marks in there that make his team probably look a less uh, appetizing than normal. No major buys here uh, except Jarvis Landry, who hasn't been doing much anyway. I think this is a pretty low scoring affair. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Coop this week. I think um, he has some of the higher upside plays that will probably be the difference in this game. I don't see a huge amount of upside from Javi's team. Uh, you know, of course, Julio can do Julio things and Mahomes can do Mahomes things, but those are kind of um, they're far from guarantees right now. As Julio, you look at Julio's game log. 18, 5, and 6 in his last three, although before that, 25 and 27. So, you know, that's kind of what Julio does. He, he has these huge monster games and then kind of disappears for a little bit. So he's probably due for a monster game. But give me the edge to Coop, riding hot. And uh, the parody in this league always seems to come back. So, you know, if you get out to a, a big record, you often get some luck coming against you. And, and I think Javi's had some luck this season. Uh, so it probably reverses this week. Give me the, give me Coop. Then we have nine seed versus the seven seed in Casey versus Justin. Justin, of course, with his new shiny toys in Leonard Fournette and Hunter Henry. And Robert Woods, of course. He does have Fitzgerald and Hilton. And he is going to start Jared Goff, at least right now. That's the plan. I'm, I don't know how you don't acquire Tom Brady and not start Tom Brady, especially after what Jared Goff did last week. Kind of nasty. Um, on Casey's team, he gets to start his new Travis Kelsey. His running backs, though, all of a sudden looking a little bit shaky as Eckler has fallen off the face of the earth with Melvin Gordon coming back. And Kamara doesn't look like he's going to be playing this week. And what was in a little surprising of a move 
he uh, he dropped Latavius Murray. And of all the weeks to do that, this seems like the least likely week to have done that. He kept Latavius Murray, I think, for the whole season or majority of it. In the one week where Kamara clearly is not himself, he drops him. And uh, it's too late to pick him back up as he is now on my team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens if Kamara is out, which I think he is going to be out. Then all of a sudden you have Hyde and Eckler as your RB1 and RB2. That's kind of disgusting. You don't have Devontae Adams regardless if he plays or not. You're looking at Cooks, Ridley, Gallup, who I kind of like this week, but still not sexy. Deshaun Watson's a stud. Kelsey's a stud. So I don't know. I don't like where this team is headed for this particular week. I do like where it's headed long-term and if some of these guys can be healthy, of course. But right now, not a good week for health um, in terms of the buys as well. No, Nobody major on buys. Um, you might, you know, I might, I see Emmanuel Sanders there. I might start Emmanuel over, uh, you know, maybe not. I don't know. I think Emmanuel might have a big game, to be honest. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Justin wins, although I hope to God he loses. Ah, amazing if he loses this week I will love it he might be in uh, ninth place after that that would be fantastic wouldn't it oh man we all agree that Justin is awful person and ugly and sort of um, selfish and mean and uh, also not very good in bed from word on the street Um, also not fast very slow person both mentally and physically. Also, not a good driver, surprisingly enough. Just he's below average at driving. Um, cuts off people, kind of read stuff like that. Um, frequently uh, farts in his sleep. So I've heard as well. You know, he'll just be sleeping, all of a sudden he'll fart and, and wake up. He'll wake himself up. That's why he kind of has some some sleep problems. Um, also heard that, you know, sometimes he, uh, he tries to cook, which is nice. That part's nice, but the food that he tries to cook is uh, similar to ingesting poison. Um, these are just things that I've heard, you know, throughout the grapevine. They're, they're probably all true and hundred percent accurate, but Anyway, we're moving on to Jason and all of his new shiny toys against Jason Martinez, who desperately needs a win after a uh, goose egg last week, in a sense. Uh, it just didn't, his team didn't perform last week as well. His team now, it's amazing how fantasy works, suddenly lots of questions with Cooper Cup and Aaron Jones, two guys that I thought were going to be plug and play all year long. Cup now has a quarterback issue it seems although his matchup's fantastic and uh you know he's got tj hawkins in at tight end i don't know let's see jason with his new team starting kirk cousins dj chark will fuller tyler boyd looks like aj green's out one more week so boyd should still be a pretty good start while mac josh jacobs gerald everett although i don't love a great matchup against atlanta matt breda great matchup against washington jason definitely has the matchups on his side uh, it's all about luck. Is the luck going to kind of get back to Jason's side, Martinez's side, or is it going to continue on? Um, is Aaron Jones all of a sudden in a committee with Jamal Williams? Is DeAndre Hopkins now a five-and-out type of receiver, getting five-yard passes, nine or ten of them, but for 55 yards? Is uh, Adam Thielen 
you know, part of a, uh, it seems he's trending up, um, is Melvin Gordon that just shot for this year? I mean, there's a lot of questions here on this team. Give me the team that made a bunch of trades and wants uh, and is desperate to get out of one and five. Give me the upset, the upset of the week. Jason Noah will beat Jason Martinez. Uh, I think they will. I don't know. Who cares? They're both ten and uh, the tenth seed and the eighth seed. And finally, our last one, we have Charles, who I think is still alive, and Rich. And they are locked in a battle uh, that seems to be very, very close. You have Charles riding the Lamar Jackson side. Um, I don't think Cooper is going to be 100% this week. I think Coop's out, which leaves Alan, Jeffrey, and someone like uh, Cole Beasley or Philip Dorsett. So definitely a weakness there. Um, tight end, looks like he does get Ingram back this week. That would be awesome. Sony Michelle. Uh, David Johnson, he's <coughs> he does plug in F1 Terry McLaurin for his flex, who I love. I think McLaurin's a really, really good player. Um, Rich, meanwhile, is doing so. Rich looks in a pretty good position here. He does have some shiny new toys as well for himself. He is going to, it looks like, start Metcalf and Devontae Freeman. Again, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Devontae Freeman going forward, but hey, he seems to have a pretty decent matchup, I guess, against the Rams. Um, I like Charles' side a little bit more. If Cooper plays for sure, I like Charles' side. Michael Thomas, Edmund Edelman, Russell Wilson. It's going to be close. It's going to be a really interesting matchup here. It kind of all depends on. His new acquisitions, if they can come through for him. But give me Charles' this team. He seems due for a big week. Kind of has everything go right type of week. So give me Charles. Um, and let's go ahead and recap it. I think Dean's going to definitely beat me this week. I think that's pretty clear. Give me Coop over Javi in a slight upset. Give me... Did I say Casey over Justin? No, probably Justin's going to win this week, huh? So I think I forgot because I don't care about Justin whatsoever. But Justin probably wins this week. Then we're going to have uh, Coop Newcom lose to Jason Noah in the upset of the week. And then I'm going to take Charles over Rich in a, a battle of the five seed versus the three seed. So um, there you go. We're almost you know, getting halfway through. The rest, I think we're at the halfway mark, right? If we're going to be finishing week seven and we finish in week 14, pretty much, or week 15, I forgot what we, we, we probably, we're not quite half at the halfway point yet. So still plenty of time to turn it around. All of those teams at the bottom half of the league could easily win out. It's how fantasy football works. So we got a lot of, a lot of time left. Uh, love the trades that we've been seeing. And uh, go out and make some trades. I think Javi really needs to make one or two moves. I think Jason Martinez needs to make one or two moves. I think Charles needs to make one or two moves. Obviously, I know things are uh, not at the perfect fantasy football stage in his life right now. But if, you know, when you're on the on, on the toilet making a poop, make a trade. And uh, I think his team, you know, has a lot of things that he can move to improve himself as well. So make some trades, get talked about on the podcast, and uh, that's going to do it for me here on uh, Thursday. Enjoy your Thursday night game. 
Have a great week, everybody. And let's see how wrong I'll be this week. Uh, According to Dean, I'm wrong about 90% of the things in life. So I guess, Dean, you're an awesome person. I'll see you guys later. Have a great week. Also, I heard that one time in fourth grade, uh, Justin tripped and fell in front of the whole class. So I heard that as well as I heard that one time he went to the beach and he was in the waves and he was body surfing and his swimsuit fell off and he was naked and, um, He doesn't tan very well, so people couldn't really see, and they were blinded by the whiteness. Um, But there were reports that, you know, the penis may or may not have been about two inches at that point, and that was being generous. There's just reports. But he is definitely white as fuck. You need to tan up, Justin. You need to get a tan, man. See ya. I got a stereo and the best of Patsy Cline.